How to Reach the Heart of God by Father Daniel Couture. Did the pagan poet Virgil prophesy the coming of Christ? Why was Gabriel sent to Our Lady? And how are his words seeped in the Old Testament? When Mary is first mentioned in Scripture, how is she called and why? All this and more is addressed by Father in this 17th episode of the Fatima Center series, No Mary, No Jesus. Ave Maria, gratia plena. I'm Father Daniel Couture. Welcome to this ongoing series of talks on our Blessed Lady. We want to study our Blessed Mother. Since we need to imitate her, we cannot imitate what we don't know. And we want to have a true devotion to Our Lady. Therefore, we need to know who she is in order to be truly devoted to her. Not just in words, but in our heart, in our whole life. We are studying the mystery of the Annunciation. We have seen in the previous two talks how this mystery was foretold by the divine producer. In the Old Testament, we have the story of Abraham sending Eliezer to get Rebekah. We have the beautiful story of David and Abigail. So we come to the mystery itself of the Annunciation. I would like for the first part, before I actually come to the text, I would like to, to make this more of a meditation. So recollect yourself. We need to understand it. It's, it's an important moment. St. Paul will say, it's the fullness of time. Since the creation, now God is about to come on earth. So let's look at who are the, the actors of this mystery. So first of all, we have the Blessed Trinity up there in heaven. The Blessed Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. The Father knows himself and he gets the Son, and he sees the Son in whom he is well pleased. He, he loves his Son who has all his perfection, all his beauty, all his attributes. All that is thine is mine, Jesus will say. The Son sees the Father and he loves him. And from that love of the Father and the Son proceeds the Holy Ghost, the love, the divine love. And it is this God who created the world. And if we look at the history of the world just before the moment we're about to look at, it's a bit of a failure on earth. The earth is not beautiful. Things are not going well on this planet earth. Among the angels, one third were lost. God made the men to Replace the empty seats in heaven left by the bad angels who did not make it to heaven. So, God is looking at the earth and it's pretty bad. It's easy to understand the way it was then if we just think of today. What's going on in the world today gives us a little idea of the Old Testament. We are living today, again, what was uh, lived 
before Christ came, the world is in a mess. The world is in a mess. Yes, there's people coming into the world, people dying, people fighting. There's Today we have this, this gender theory which messes up lives, which is insane. We have all the problems now with this coronavirus, which is totally crazy. And we don't know how we're going to get out of it. Where We're heading for a greater chaos every day. Well, in then, same thing. It was not going very well. And paganism was idolatry, was the earth was a cesspool of sin, really. And we have an idea, the world without God becomes a jungle. But we have seen that God always permits evil to draw a greater good. That's what the divine producer looks at. He, everything is planned. When it's going to be the darkest, that's when light will come on. And it, it gets very dark at that moment. So we have the Blessed Trinity looking at the earth. We have the earth which is just sin. Just sin everywhere. When we read the immorality of the Romans, the Greeks, the pagans, they had abortions, they had sacrifices of children in these days as well. Marriage was not kept practically everywhere. So, but there's a third element. And there's a little room in that darkness. There's a little room in a tiny little village on a plateau in the north of a tiny country called Palestine or Israel. In that little village called Nazareth in Galilee, there's a tiny house leaning against the hill. Leaning against the hill, it's a detail which is important because the house of Our Lady had only three walls. The fourth wall was a cliff. That's, it's a fact. Go to Nazareth and you will see that Our Lady's room was inside the cave. And that is why these three walls where the Word was made flesh, where our Lord grew up for, for many years, where probably St. Joseph died, there's a, there's a pilgrim about the year 1000 who went to Nazareth and he saw the tomb of St. Joseph there. Well, these three walls at the time of the crusade in 1291 were taken by God, by the angels, and brought first to Dalmatia, north of Greece, and then to a little place in Italy which has the same geological formation as Nazareth. And that's the famous house of Loreto. So there's this house of Our Lady, the little house which God did not want to be destroyed. And inside that little house, there's a young virgin, a maid. She's about 15 years old. She's young. Jewish girls married young. But she's mature. She's mature. She's exceedingly mature, like no one will ever be mature. She's the Blessed Virgin Mary. She's praying, probably in the morning hours. She's praying. She's praying a little bit like Abigail that we have studied in a previous talk. She's praying for the Messiah. Come, divine Messiah. Come and save us. We cannot get out of this 
chaos in which we are. You have promised to come. The time is, has come. Please come. And with her fervent, immaculate prayer, her prayer goes up and, and reaches the heart of God. But try to, try to enter into that immaculate heart, which is the, she's the queen of patriarchs, the queen of prophets, and her prayer is the, the, the synthesis of all the saints of the Old Testament. She has the, the flame, the fire, she has the, the purity which they did not have. Put that all together in one heart, and she's praying. And she does touch the heart of God. And so, when the fullness of time came, says the Gospel, St. Luke 1, chapter 26, in the sixth month, well, that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. The previous verses tell the, the Annunciation to Zachary and the conception of St. John the Baptist. And now we're in the sixth month. The angel of Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee called Nazareth. The fullness of time. Fullness of time. The prophet Virgil, in one of his eclogue, eclogue number four, so this is about 37 years before Christ, the greatest of the Latin writers, eclogue number four, says this, Now is come the last age of the Song of Cumae, the great line of the centuries begins anew. Now the virgin returns. The ring of Saturn returns. Now a new generation descends from heaven on high. Only do thou, pure Lucina, smile on the birth of the child under whom the iron brood shall first seize and a golden race spring up throughout the world. Yam reditet virgo. Indeed, and the fathers and St. Augustine have seen these words of Virgil, who is a, a pagan, pagan writer, have heard a, a prophecy of the Incarnation. St. Saint, Saint Augustine in the City of God, Book 10, Chapter 27, says, It is of him, of our Lord, that speaks the most illustrious of poets in these verses which have a true prophetic truth, which apply only to one, the Savior. So he's speaking, of the prophet, the poet was inspired. And there was, at that time, when you read, when you study the, uh, the Roman writers, and they we're talking about the 50 years before the Incarnation, it was a time of expectation. Something's going to happen. And now it is the fullness of time. So, the angel Gabriel is sent. It's interesting. Angels too are sent. St. Paul will say, how will they preach if they are not sent? You have here the whole apostolicity of the church. We cannot preach unless we are tied with this, this tradition of mission. It's called tradition. The Father sent the Son, the Son sent the Apostles, the Apostles sent their disciples, and it's going on, and it will go on until the end of the world. But even angels are sent. Even the angel. Lord himself will say hundreds of times in St. John, particularly, Qui misit me? He who sent me. 
told me what to say, told me what to do, is always with me. He who sent me. That's another name for the Father. If Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, who at uh, Zachary had said, I am Gabriel who stand before God. Verse 19 of St. Luke 1. Gabriel, every name in scripture means something. So Gabriel is the strength of God, the power of God. Yes, indeed. A power which defeats our expectation because that power will become a baby. We're expecting a mighty God, like the Jews were expecting a a triumphant God with an army that will kick out the Romans. No, there's another type of power. It's higher than that. Higher than that. The power of love. Love is stronger than death. And indeed, in the Incarnation, God will choose an angel whose name expresses the power of God, the power of love. God has loved the world so much as to give his only begotten son. It is the love of Our Lady that has won, that has wounded the heart of God to send the angel and to come on earth. The angel Gabriel was sent, verse 27, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So the very first mention, chronologically, St. Luke wrote a story which he wanted to be very accurate. He went and asked the witnesses. He spoke to Our Lady. The first chapters of St. Luke are called the Gospel of Mary because there's details there that he could only have heard from her. So, the first mention of Our Lady is her virginity. Like Rebecca, who was an exceedingly, exceeding comely maid and a most beautiful virgin. Puella de Coranimis, Virgo Pulcherima. A virgin, a little corner of heaven. As St. Louis de Montfort says, when God was about to create man, he put man into a paradise. He made the most beautiful land where a garden where Abraham found everything, fruits, flowers, everything, the beauty, the smell of the flowers, everything was, was heavenly. But when God wanted to become man himself, he made Mary. She is his paradise. She was from the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The virgin's name was Mary. It's interesting. Also, in the Old Testament, we always find a great woman next to the great men. Well, we have Adam and Eve. God made Eve as a helper like unto himself. It is not good for man to be alone. So, he made Eve the mother of all living. We will find Abraham and Sarah. We find Isaac and Rebekah. We'll find Jacob and Rachel. We'll find Moses and Miriam, his sister, who will sing a canticle after they cross the Red Sea, which is a, an image of the Magnificat of Our Lady. And we'll find David and Abigail. And we, so we find these great women in Scripture. Her name is Mary. If you have a chance, read the beautiful sermon of St. Bernard on Our Blessed Lady, on the very name of Our Lady. If anything goes wrong, look up at the star and call on Mary. And you will understand why 
the gospel says, and her name was Mary. So, let's just focus for a moment. So, the angel arrives in that little room of Our Lady. They vandalized the stone of the walls and they cut the, a Galilean way of cutting stone. It is really there. If you go to Loreto in Italy, just south of Venice. Let's look at this moment. St. Ignatius of Loyola, when he does these meditations, he, he says, hide in a corner, be present. Go behind a chair and just watch. That's how we contemplate these mysteries. And so see the angel appearing. Our ladies maybe kneeling and praying in, in great fervor. The angel appears. There must have been a moment where both contemplated the beauty of the other. A bit like Eliezer arriving at the well saw the beauty of Rebecca. Well, the angel sees this woman. She's only 15, but she is his queen. And she is holier. We have seen this in the talks on the Immaculate Conception. She is holier than any of the great angels in heaven, any of the great seraphim. She is holier than all the angels together. So, St. Gabriel, although he's a prince of heaven, he feels very small in front of this woman whom God is calling higher, Ascende Superius, my friend, come up higher. And Our Lady contemplates this angel, beautiful archangel from heaven, a prince of heaven, a ray of heaven there in her little room. And the angel has to give his message. He's a messenger. He will obey. And so he greets her. And the angel being come in said unto her, Hail, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. He does not call her Mary at first. He will say later on, almost as if he's out of respect. He dares not call his queen by her first name. He calls her by what she is. She's, she's filled with grace. She's the immaculate. She's that corner of heaven on earth. Hail, full of grace. And in these words, we also find Reference to the Old Testament. Benedicta tu in mulieribus. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed art thou. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. The Lord is with thee. We find that expression a number of times in the Old Testament. The Lord is with thee. An angel had said to Joshua, As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. God says to Joshua, an angel to Gideon, the Lord be with thee, O the strongest of men, virorum fortissime, to Jeremiah, to St. Paul, it's always, ego tecum sum, I am with you, don't be afraid, the Lord be with thee, the Almighty holding us in his omnipotence. What are we to fear? Will our Lord's greeting to the Apostle not be, fear not. Norite timere. God is almighty. We have to trust. That's the virtue of hope. God wants us to realize he is the almighty. The angel's name is Gabriel. Let us not forget. Blessed art thou among women. 
Words again, which echo a number of stories in the Old Testament. The story of Deborah, when Joshua and the people of God crossed the Jordan and entered the Holy Land. Then there's the book of Joshua in the Bible. But the next book is the book of Judges. And we have these heroes, men and women. We have Gideon, we have Samson, but we have Deborah, who is one of the, a bit like a Joan of Arc of the Old Testament, and a mother in Israel. That, that's her name. It's like a bee, a busy bee. And Deborah is a beautiful, beautiful figure of Our Lady where there's a battle and the general Barak comes because Deborah says, God wants you to get an army and go beat these people up. And the general says to her, okay, but we're, I mean, they're ten times more than we are. Come on, you go. God is going to give us the victory. And the general says, I will not go if you don't come with me. And Deborah says, all right, but this victory will be attributed to a woman, not to you, my general, to a woman. And it's a woman who will kill Caesar. So it's a woman. By the hand of a woman, the leader of the enemy was killed. Not the general. It's, it's a woman. So, Deborah is a beautiful image of Our Lady. We have Judith. And in the canticle of Deborah, it is also mentioned, Benedicta too. When Judith came back with the head of Holofernes in her bag, and the people of Betulia were, they were freaking out with joy and happiness. That's him. And this beautiful young widow pulled out of her bag the head of Holofernes, that general that everybody feared, everybody trembled before. And through the hand of a woman. And so the priest said to her, Benedicta tu, filia, adomino deo excesso, preomnibus mulieribus superteram. Blessed art thou, O daughter of Almighty God, above all women on the earth. At the Annunciation, the angel says, Blessed art thou among women. St. Elizabeth says, And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. St. Elizabeth will add these words. So blessed art thou among women. We see that Our Lady is really unique, like Judith. It will also be said about Abigail, as we have seen in the previous talk. David says to Abigail, Blessed art thou, Benedicta tu. Just a little story, a recent story. In these words, among women, blessed art thou among women, which we have in the Hail Mary, these words refer to the Immaculate Conception refer to the fact that Our Lady is unique. In the Canticle of Canticle, it is said, my unique, my dove, my immaculate. One time I went to Japan with one of our priests, and we met an old Salesian priest who was in his 80s in Tokyo. He was pretty upset. He told us that the bishop had just imposed a new Hail Mary in Japanese, which had removed these words. Blessed art thou among women. So they would say to Hail Mary, the Lord, be, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. They remove among women because that is one of the efforts of the liberals and the modernists to bring Our Lady down. Yes, she's, she's blessed, but she's not unique. There's other women who are blessed as well, like her. Yes, but Our Lady is unique. The devil tries to put Our Lady down and that's one way of doing so. So Our Lady, having heard the angel, was troubled at his saying and thought with herself what manner of salutation this should be. So Our Lady 
is the virgin most prudent. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary. That will be our Lord's, our Lord's wish as well during his whole life. At Easter, the angel will say to the women, Fear not, you ladies, for thou hast found grace with God. Beautiful words. If you know scripture, thou hast found grace with God. It's a classic expression. It is said first time of Noah. So here, at the Annunciation, we are brought back to Noah, who found grace with God after the flood. Noah chapter 8. And God gave to Noah the rainbow as a sign of peace. I think how the the LGBT and all the, these people have used the rainbow, are using the rainbow today for their movement. That's diabolical. Because the rainbow is a sign of Our Lady. There's an attack of Our Lady in using that biblical sign of Our Lady. And, and the fathers have all explained that the rainbow who brings peace, the dove with the branch of olive tree, is an image of Our Lady. Thou hast found grace with God. That's Noah. Who else found grace with God? Abraham, talking with the three angels. If I have found grace in, in thy eyes... Abraham found grace. Moses found grace with God. It was after the golden calf. He climbed a mountain and God said, I'm going to destroy everything. Start from scratch with you. And Moses said, you can't do that. What will people say? They say, what is is that God of the Hebrews? He brings people into the desert and then he kills them there. You can't do that, my God. And Moses is the mediator and God must have loved this because that's what Our Lady was going to do, and that's what she did. That's what our Lord does as well. She's mediatrix, indeed, indeed. And actually, Moses in Exodus chapter 33 says that three or four times. And God Himself says, "Yes, you have found grace with me. Yes, you win. You win. Okay, what do you want? That's finding grace. Beauty. You see, so we have Noah, we have Abraham, we have the judges, we have Moses." Gideon, we have so many, these words, it's a synthesis of the whole Old Testament. Thou hast found grace with God. Behold, and the angel continues, he's going to quote. All the words of the angels are quotes of promises. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and shalt bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Prophet Isaiah 7.14 Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. But this is also what had been told to the parents of Samson. Thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Book of Judges 13, 3 and 5. So, our Lord is going to be the new Samson. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of David his father. And he shall reign in the house of Jacob forever. We have three references here of the kingship of our Lord. The Lord shall give him unto him the throne of David his father. So, the throne. He shall reign in the house of Jacob forever. So, the kingship. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. He will reign forever. So there in this message, we have prophecies made to, to Abraham, prophecies made to David. Many prophecies of the Old Testament are 
mentioned here. And Mary said to the angel, Mary understood. So, I'm the one. She understood. She had prayed to meet the mother of the Savior who would come. And she wanted to be his handmaid, her handmaid. But then she finds out that she's the one. Mary said to the angel, How shall this be done? Because I know not man. Remember Rebecca. She was unknown to man. And the angel said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. And therefore, also, the Holy which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. It's going to be a new creation. Remember the very beginning of Genesis. The Spirit of God was moving over the waters. And here the Spirit of God will come over you, Mary, and conceive in your womb. Therefore, the Holy which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Son of God. Mary had faith. But the angel gave a little bonus, a little extra. He mentioned a miracle that had just taken place six months before. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. This is the sixth month with her that is called barren, sterile. Because no word shall be impossible with God. So the angel has finished his message. Now he needs an answer. A bit like the father and the brother of Rebecca said, let's call the maid and see what she has to say. Does she want to go? So there's, there's going to be a consent. Now she knows. You want me to become the mother of God? the mother of the Savior, the mother of the Redeemer, the mother of the suffering servant, which Isaiah described in chapter 53, who will have his hands pierced, his feet pierced, a man of sorrows, where there will be no comeliness, he will be like a leper. Our Lady loves God. Our Lady loves us. Remember we said, we mentioned the, the corruption in the world, like today. Today we need a Savior. We need, we need a Pope like St. Pius X who will stand up and tell the governments, you know, to, they will stop the governments. Like in St. Pius X had a tug of war when he became Pope in 1903, had a tug of war with the French government. They wanted to, to control the churches. And he told Pius X, if you don't accept this, we will seize all church properties in France. All the churches, the schools, the seminaries, the convents, the hospitals, the orphanages. We're going to take everything. And kick your people out. St. Pius X said, he was a saintly pope. A bit like Peter said to Simon the magician, let your gold perish with you. And he says, we will not sacrifice the faith for anything. And Pius X said, no. And the millions of French people went on the street and they actually won. And the French government had to reopen all the churches. This is what a Pope should have done today, like St. Pius X. And we would still have our churches open and filled. Well, at that time, we, we needed... So, Our Lady knew. Then, we need somebody who is going to bring peace, the Prince of Peace. We need the Savior. If ever you go to Italy at the shrine where St. Francis of Assisi received the stigmata, the shrine of Laverna. 
in the church calendar, the feast is September 17th, Mount Alvernia or La Verna, beautiful shrine. And there's some terracottas. Terracottas are not paintings, they're not, they're not sculptures, they're, they're uh, ceramics painted, terracotta. And there's a beautiful one there of the Annunciation, where the artist, an Italian artist of the 17th century, Della Rubio, he took that moment when the angel has just finished his message and Our Lady has not yet given her answer. And Our Lady is there and she's thinking. She has her eyes down. Say yes to the whole plan of redemption. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But she loved God more than herself. And that silence, says also St. Bernard, the silence before Our Lady answered made up for the silence at the gates of heaven when Lucifer said, I will not serve. The angel held her breath and then there was a cry, Mikael, who is like unto God? Who dares say to God, I will not serve? And now it's the, the opposite. This young girl of 15, she's going to make up for the rebellion of Lucifer. She's going to make up for the disobedience of Eve. It's as all the angels in heaven were looking down at this young maiden, this most beautiful virgin, and say, please, Blessed Mother, say yes, say yes. We need a Savior. We, we overcame the, the dragon. It's in the apocalypse. The angels overcame the dragon by the blood of the Lamb. So by, by accepting to serve the Lamb, that they got the strength to, to kick Lucifer out. And so, Blessed Mother, say yes. And so Our Lady knows all these things. It's a key moment. And then Pope Leo the Great, St. Leo the Great says, she conceived in her spirit, in her heart, before conceiving in her flesh. Spiritu priusquam corpore. Our Lady said, yes, in her heart, yes, my God. And then she answered, and Mary said, verse 38, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. That was, we can say, the first consecration ever. Consecration in the sense of the Mass. Because when Our Lady said these words, the Word was made flesh. Instantly, in her. God was waiting, so to speak, God the Son was waiting on, on the edge of his throne to go and, and embrace this masterpiece, this creature who would become his mother. The history of the world changed from that moment. Mary became a relative of God. She became the mother of God. She conceived by the Holy Ghost. She conceived the Word of God. That whole mystery we recall every day when we say the Angelus. Beautiful prayer, the Angelus. Try to say it with attention. Traditionally, we say it three times a day, morning, noon, and night. Good thing to say it before the meals. But let us recall, even when we say it rapidly, let us recall that all the history of redemption is, is there. It started there. It's like looking at a photo album of your wedding many years later. 
and you try to recall what you were thinking at that moment. That's the Annunciation, the wedding album of Our Lady with Almighty God. Ave Maria Purissima. We will continue next time with other aspects of Our, Our Lady's Immaculate Heart, living other mysteries, and we will talk about her perpetual virginity as we speak about Christmas. Thank you very much. God bless. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the Catholic faith and the message of Fatima, and to support this vital apostolate with a much-needed donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. So many souls need to know and love Mary, so as to truly know and love Jesus. For the glory of God and the salvation of souls, please share this talk with others. And may God reward you. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us.